At Skyview, we strive to love God and others through generous hospitality and meaningful friendship. For more information about Skyview Church, please visit us at www.skyviewchurch.ca. I have want to share with you this morning from God's Word something that has been uh, living I've been living with for the last five or six years. I'm very careful in sharing things that are personal to me with congregation or uh, places that I address people because not everything that God says to me is necessarily something that others uh, need to receive. But this morning I have received no other word than the one that I have been resting in, meditating upon, and uh, striving through. And so maybe uh, in, a, in a very transparent way this morning I want to share with you out of John's Gospel, what God has been saying to me. And in fact, as I uh, meditated on the scripture, I started to realize that what he's saying to me quite uh, very well might be very applicable to us. I ask you this morning, if you would uh, join me in hearing God's word and open our hearts to hearing what he may have to say to us. Uh, I believe that we have the scripture in the bulletin, if I'm right. And instead of reading my version here, let me grab one of yours, and I will read, and let's read together. John chapter 5, reading from verse 1 to verse 9. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the Sheep Gate, a pool, which is in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. And while I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat and walked. And the day on which this took place was a Sabbath. As I said to you, I've been living with this particular text for quite some time now. Uh, In fact, this text comes to my mind. Uh, whenever I'm going through one of those moments or seasons of my life, thank you, uh, in which I personally feel challenged, disappointed, or, uh, uh, or it's a difficult time in my life. And uh, these moments uh, that I go through may be compounded by uh, the realization that I am not yet that which I believe God wants me to be. If I'm to be completely honest with you, these moments still come to me. They, they often come in unexpected ways in which I find myself looking at me in a mirror through circumstances and experiences. And I say to myself, Stu, you have so far to go. I don't know if you've ever been disappointed by people, but when you disappoint yourself, it is almost harder to live through that. 
It is interesting that whenever I've experienced this, and this particular scripture has come to mind, it has come to me in a way that hasn't been really encouraging. In fact, the scripture has frustrated me some. Because in it, I see a man who has been an invalid for 38 years. Jesus sees him amidst many others who are broken and hurting. And Jesus chooses him and heals him despite his own excuses and lack of discernment to knowing who Jesus was. And if I was to be truthful with you, I resonate a lot more with the invalids laying down and not the one who received the healing. In fact, if I was to be completely honest with you, I feel that there's an unfairness in this particular text. What qualifies this man to receive this special intervention by Jesus amidst the many who are laying at the pool? And so I wrestle with this. This scripture also comes to mind whenever I look at circumstances around me and I see the lack of God's kingdom coming. Whenever I'm in places or seasons of my life where I become aware of how incredibly tough life is, how people's lives are being broken, how things are going, round, uh, going wrong, when we were just in Bekelawandle and we looked out from the seed of hope into that community, we could see it everywhere. When we walked into the homes of people and we saw people who were suffering of HIV and TB and all kinds of diseases, you could see, you could see the desperation and the anxiety there. And when I experience this in my own life, Jesus, oh God, has rather brought to my mind this particular text. In fact, I was so troubled once by what I was going through that I wrote a friend of mine a note. I don't know if, if you have friends like this, but I have seasonal friends. And when I say seasonal friends, for whatever reason, God places them in my life for just a season. I, 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 you know, I want to continue that relationship, for, but for reasons beyond my control or their control, I often can't stay in contact with them. And so my life moves on, and I think every time I move on from some of those friendships, I mourn a little. Maybe some of you understand what I'm meaning. But there was this friend who was significant in my life at this time, and I wrote him this letter, and I sent him this email. And in that email, I was expressing my profound frustration as a youth pastor with not seeing the kingdom of God coming, not only around me, but within me. And I, I, I went on and on, and I believe each and every one of us needs to have a friend with a tremendous capacity to hear our frustrations. And I just went on. On and on and on. And I sent him this note. And in, in true Mark fashion, he didn't respond for a while. Now, I don't know about you, but when I'm bearing my heart to you, and I'm asking you to respond, it seems rather rude to wait for three weeks. I got frustrated at this friend who means so much to me. And I remember thinking to myself, maybe he didn't get my email. Because that often happens. Or it's a good excuse when you forgot. And so before I could send another email, I think in the third week, he sent me a response. And in the response, he wrote uh, a very, very affirming of my own frustration. See, good friendships are ones that can affirm us in our struggle uh, they, they, you know, good friends don't deny our pain. 
They, they don't simply say, hey, get over it, man. Life's going to be better. Come on, Stu, just shape up. You know, he, he affirmed it. He, he said to me, gave me examples out of his own life where he felt his frustration. But then as he concluded his letter, I will never forget when he answered my question. He says, as to your question, and now I'm paraphrasing. He says, you, you ask, where do we see the kingdom of God really happening? Where do we see restoration come? He said, Stu, quite simply, when I read the word of God, it begins in us. And I remember, as I read this and didn't quite understand the implications of all that it meant, I started to recognize that what I long to see happen to me and what I long to see happen in this world as God begins to make all things new first begins within me. This man, paralyzed for 38 years. This is my 38th year, by the way. I don't necessarily read scripture that way to make direct comparisons. But I think sometimes God needs to speak to me because I'm pretty dull. This scripture came to me as I was going to South Africa and I started to meditate on it. And there was a few things that jumped out at me. I said to the Lord, Lord, I still feel like the invalid. I still feel like I'm laying down. I said, God, I'm desiring for your Holy Spirit, for Jesus to do something definitive in my life. When I look at this man's life, he has been in this condition for 38 years. And there are certainly reasons why he is the way he is. We're never told exactly why he's an invalid. But we do know in his response and in his circumstances that there were certain barriers that kept him from the wholeness that Jesus brought to his life. I want to share with you some of the barriers that this man experienced, and I see myself in these barriers, and maybe you see your own life when you look at these barriers. The first one is simply this. In verse 6, if my memory serves me right, Jesus responds to this man, knowing his condition, and seeing that he has been in this condition for a long time, and asking this question, do you want to get well? One of the most significant barriers to us experiencing Jesus changing and restoring and healing is the barrier of time. You see, when, when you've been experiencing or suffering, when you've been longing for something for a long, long time, it has the potential, time has the potential to carve away at any hope of true restoration. In fact, the more I speak to people about their lives and their faith and their Christianity, they will always express in some form or the other the hope that what God has begun would be brought into fulfillment and that they are longing for it. But with that comes that frustration. And, and if we know each other long enough, the honesty that comes with that, but I'm yet to see this reality within me. I don't know if this resonates with some of you, but maybe you have been walking or laying down for a long time. Maybe you've been hoping for God to do something in your life and time has carved away at you in such a way that you're starting to lose hope that God can do that which he promised. Now, I know it's warm in here and some of you look a little tired because you watched the Leafs play last night. So can I just ask you to say amen? 
That was all very spiritual. Did you hear that? I heard the angels when I said that, waking people up. Some of the most significant barriers to healing comes when we have to wait. Uh, comes when we feel like God is not acting at the right time, comes when we have been waiting and waiting and waiting, and we can become despondent in waiting. In fact, we all know this to be true. We do not like to wait on anyone or anything. In fact, it has creeped into our spirituality so much so that we think something's wrong with us or God when we are waiting and nothing's happening. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever noticed how impatient you get when the lineup at Tim Hortons slows down for just a little longer than your tolerance for waiting can endure? Have you ever noticed how, how impatient you are becoming increasingly the older you get? Have you ever noticed that everything in our culture seems to suggest that there needs to be an immediate response to what we most desire now? And here's the challenge. Folks, this may seem like a small point to you, even trivial at best, but I have to say to you, God's timing is not the same as our timing. I want to encourage some of us who have been carrying a hope within us for a long time. I'm speaking to some college students here. You guys, you're, you have the gift of youth and with it comes the curse. You, 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 you have yet to believe that you need to wait on God. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to say to you, as young as you may be, that God is always on time when he responds to the needs of our life. But we must wait. And often in waiting, we become frustrated. Uh, not only does this man have a, a barrier in his life because of how long he's been suffering, but there's a second most significant barrier, and that barrier, simply put, is the barrier of people. You know, sometimes people get in the way. You know, sometimes the actions, in fact, Jesus comes to him, he sees him, knows that he'd been suffering for a long time, and we are led to believe by the author of the gospel that the reason Jesus responds is because of his ailment and the length of his suffering. But as Jesus responds to him, Jesus asks this question. He says, do you want to get well? Now, you heard the question. Listen to his response. He says, no one shows up to help me when the water is stirred and, and there's an opportunity for healing. And not only that... You know, whenever I want to get in, someone jumps ahead of me. In other words, this is what Jesus is saying. My little boy, <laughs> are you with me? Here's what Jesus is saying. Oh, this is what the man is saying. <laughs> He's saying two things. He says, those who are capable to help me are not. And those who are incapable because of their own needs cannot. If you're laying around a pool where many people are invalids, chances of being helped are rather slim. If you are in a place where everybody is hurting and everybody is in need, chances of someone else being selfless and stepping out and helping you is tremendously reduced. You see what this man is saying He's saying that there are people who can't help, but they don't. And there are people who can't help because their needs become the primary motivation for their actions. And so they get ahead of me. 
You know, when, when we start to wait on people to help us, some of the reason, not all of the reason, but some of the reason people disappoint you and I, some of the reason that brother is not sensitive enough to recognize you're going through a hard time and encourage you, some of the reason Christians walk by others is because their own needs have become primary to them, that they are only thinking about themselves. And whenever that happens, my friends, there are many people who will go unhelped because we are all seeking for help. But before I go there, which I've already done, who are you blaming? You know, you know in my life, I took, I took our group from uh, Skyview to Cape Town because I said there's no way you can go to South Africa and not see what heaven's going to be like. <laughs> and they will tell you, I'm not lying. <laughs> um, but when I took them there, they saw, you know, they, 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 they saw the, the, the stew uh, in South Africa. They, they got to see where I was born and raised. and I, I even made them uh, pay attention to how far I had to walk from school. And, and, and what communities I had to run through for fear of being mugged and robbed. And, 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 and they saw all of that, both the beauty and, and the not-so-beautiful in South Africa. And they also saw in my own heart, as I was there, the up-and-down roller coaster of emotions I experienced as I re-immersed myself in a culture that is still struggling with the effects of apartheid and racism. And on many occasions, they could see it on my face because I struggled to hide how I truly feel. I wish I was better at that. But they could see the strain of it. And deep within my own heart, there is still that blame for what others have done and what it has done to me. Can I say to you that what I desire within my heart, God has not completely yet done but he is making me aware that as long as I blame others, I will not hear his voice. I want you to hear that in this community of faith, you may not have experienced racism. You may not have experienced what I have gone through. You may have experienced worse than I have gone through. But I want to say this to you. People will always be barriers if you let them to the experience of the healing that comes through Jesus. And the reasons people do things often is driven by their own primary needs, their own brokenness, their own desire for healing. And in this world where that happens, very few have the capacity to stand up and to be healed and to help. Very few have the capacity to think beyond themselves and to actually become the healed ones amongst the broken. Listen, I've heard the sentiment in the church long enough to understand where it comes from. We like to suggest that we're all just the same and we're all just broken and we're all just hurting. And the reason we like to say that is because very few of us wants to take the responsibility of what it means to be healed and restored for for with it comes a commission to be the one who helps others into the pool. The church needs to be a people that are being healed. 
I need to be a person that, that is being healed. Not just one day. Not just one day when I die. I need the kingdom of God to take a hold of my life and to so fill me with a capacity for love that even in the face of those who do not love me, I can show them the grace and mercy of God. Listen, folks, if we are going to be the kind of church that makes a difference in this world, it's going to be because we respond and say, yes, I'm broken, but I need a Savior who can restore me. A Savior that can do for me that which I have started to think cannot happen. A Savior who can reach beyond the barriers of people's actions and their own selfishness. A Savior that can reach into my life and bring the restoration that I need. Not just one day, but today. How long have you been waiting? Who are you blaming? And then the third barrier, are you still with me? I'm doing good on time. Wow, I'm doing real good. I shouldn't have looked up. Now I think I have more time than I do. And there's a hushed laughter mixed with nervousness. Not only the barrier of time, the barrier of people, but the third barrier, quite significant. Later on in our text, we didn't read it this morning, but Jesus finds this man who up until this point didn't know who he was. All he knew is... He once was laying flat on his back. Now he was walking. And Jesus finds him in the temple. And when Jesus finds him in the temple, Jesus says, look, you've been made well. Stop sinning. Or something worse may happen to you. If there's a third barrier to complete restoration, it is the barrier of sin. I know that when I say this word, it may mean different things to different people. And I understand that in our culture, we all have subjective, been exposed to the subjectivity of truth. So what is true here is not necessarily true here. So I can do this in this situation and it's qualified, not the situation. But I, I want to paint for you a picture of, of what I see in the text as one of the main barriers to experiencing the restoration that comes through Jesus Christ. This man was an invalid for 38 years. There was a belief in antiquity, in 1st and 2nd century in particular, that oftentimes people who had broken bodies were broken because of sin. If it was not their own sin, they believed that it was the sin passed on through others in their family. In fact, Jesus corrects his disciples on their thinking. He says, listen, when he experiences a man born blind that he heals, he says, you know, this man hasn't sinned, nor has his family sinned. He's been born blind, and because of that, God's glory is going to shine through him. And I've got to say this to you folks. Let's not lay blame. Let's not look for reasons where we don't understand. Does that make sense? I'm getting to my point yet. But I have to be very honest with you. Sometimes the reasons we remain broken is because of the choices we make against the will of God. Sometimes the reasons we find ourselves incapable of helping others or incapable of being healed is because we choose Sin over obedience. It is easy for me to say to you today, 
You know, if you just can let go uh, of the anxiety and, 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 and the impatience within your life, if you, can just, if you can just look beyond the people because they too are broken and searching and stop blaming them. And if I did not deal with this third but very vital and important truth, then it would not be a fair presentation to any one of us. But there's nothing that keeps us further from becoming who God wants us to be than sin. I know it's not popular to speak about this. But I have to ask you a third question. Is there sin in your life? You know, one of the distortions of sin is that it tells you it's only you. Uh, in its very nature, it is self-centeredness turned in on ourselves. It, it makes us believe that whatever we do in our own lives is our business. That sin has the capacity and the scope to affect others, including ourselves. It has the ability to bring damage, not only to us, but to those around us. And I have to say to you that if you are honest, you said, Stu, there are things in my life that I need to confess before the Lord. The Word of God tells us that God is gracious. That He waits that he, he anticipates that we would come so that he would offer us the freedom that comes from knowing that not even sin can keep his love from us if we would not believe it. I've had significant friendships in my life. One of two of the most significant ones are sitting right in front of me. But I have a friend who shares my birthday, not date. I'm exactly 10 years younger than him, and I let him know it. But he is a brother who has sat with me and has said, let us not pretend to be that which we're not. And there's a freedom. There's a freedom in confession. Uh, there's a healing that comes. So here's the three barriers, because I want to finish. And I want to finish before 12, so I just could say, I told you so. Time, people, and sin. And here's our hope. Our hope is Jesus Christ. Here's why is our hope. If you study the scripture closely, you'll see that this man did not do anything to warrant his healing there was no qualification. Do you remember the woman who reached out from behind the crowd and grabbed a hold of Jesus' garment? And she was healed in an instant of something she had suffered with for 10 years. Do you remember that? And you know, when we preach on that particular text, what we say is she had faith, you know, despite the culture, despite people would look at her and say, you're an unclean woman, to reach out and grab the hem. And we, 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 we say that faith brought her healing, right? And I mean, that's a good message. Amen? Because I'm preaching it next week. I mean, it's a... That's a great message. But here is a man. He didn't do anything. 
In fact, I mean, if you want to look for an example of, of, of a failure in, in, you know, of missing the point, this is it. You know? Jesus stands. He says to him, do you want to get well? He says, people, 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 people. And Jesus just goes, well, anyways, you stand up. And you'll be healed. And I've heard several people say, it took courage to stand up. I don't know if that's true. The scripture doesn't tell us that. But what we do know is that Jesus made it possible to a man who did not deserve it. And neither do we. You know, people who don't get the grace of God they often think the reason they're not healed is because somehow they need to earn it more, deserve it more, have greater capacity for faith. Maybe you do, I don't know. But what I do know in this particular text is that Jesus does for a man a great thing that he is very undeserving of. And that to this day, He still does the same for undeserving people. I must ask you, I have made a commitment to the Lord and I make it before you as my community of faith and to some of my brothers who journey with me, whom I sit down with and whom ask me the questions that I most need to hear and don't necessarily want to answer. I have said to the Lord that in this 38th year of my life, I want to stand up. And I wonder if along with me there are some of us who wants to do that. I started to, to muse about what it would look like when I stood up. Now you obviously know I'm being metaphoric because I am standing. But just envision with me when you lay down what the world looks like. People are all passing you by. People look like they don't really care. Can you think about this man laying down there? I mean, Passover, right? It's Passover. So everybody's making their way, what? To come back to God in the place of giving thanks for what he's done. And in their going, they pass by the people that are laying there. I think from our postures of laying down and brokenness, the world looks different. But when we stand up, we shall see new things. We shall see new possibilities. We shall see people differently to the way we have seen them. In fact, I believe the capacity within my heart to forgive those who look at me and say, you know what, you're not that cool. Don't say, I know, I shouldn't say that. It's so ridiculous to even say that, isn't it? Because I am really cool. Or those who, 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 who judge me, or those who do things um, that, 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 that seemingly prohibit me. The, the capacity to love them comes in my willingness to believe that God can make me stand. And when I stand, I can look at others. What is needed in Christian faith is not greater effort, at least not in this text. 
but it is believing Jesus. Do you believe him? Do you believe that he's still able to do that which others cannot do for you? Let us stand together. And I want to give opportunity this morning for you to respond to God's word. For us to respond to God's word. Um, the, 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 the greater response is not in people coming to pray. The greater response is in how you live your life. We live our life when we leave. But maybe this morning, you, you, you want to take that first step towards standing. You know? Um, you want to say, I need that forgiveness. You know, I, I need sin be dealt with in my life. I, I need that. Or maybe you want to say, I, I need to look past the people I've been blaming for my circumstances. Maybe you just need encouragement to know that God is always on time. And in this moment, would you respond to that? I'm going to pray and Bob's going to come and close with the last song. And I will ask you this morning, and I've asked this before in our church, but I will ask you this morning that there be a sensitivity to just this time that essentially means that if you're done here, and you leave, would you leave so graciously and quietly and fellowship all you want in the hallway so that those who may want to stay will have the ability to hear and listen? Could I ask that of you? But let us pray together. Father, this morning, I thank you for your word. Your word that still teaches me your ways, that teaches us your ways. And I recognize today that I may not know each and every heart and each and every life that is in this community today, but that you do. And with such knowledge, we come humbly before you, honestly before you, saying that we desire to stand. Father, I pray that we would not forsake the grace that is given us today to respond to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.